right, praise the Lord. How about I say praise the Lord and you say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, pretty good. Let's try it again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome back to Thursday night. Aren't you glad it's Thursday night? Yes. You know, um, you may have the thought that you came for free pizza and to hang out, but actually Jesus gathered you here. Amen. Not as big an amen on that one. Okay, we'll get there. Um, you know, the Lord, the Lord, he gathers us together amen. into his name. Right. Like literally. The reason we're all here tonight is because God loves us. Amen. And he wants to bring us together to enjoy him, to enjoy his word. Feel free to say amen. amen. So um, we've been in the book of Exodus. Haven't you enjoyed the fellowship in the book of Exodus? By the way, I'm Chris Hall. Um, if you don't know who I am, if I don't know who you are, I'm sorry, I haven't met you yet. Uh, but I'm Chris Hall, and I've been with the uh, been in the fellowship for a good while now, and praise God. Amen. <laughs> um, so haven't you enjoyed the book of Exodus? Yes. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, I want to do something here. I want you to tell me when you think of the book of Exodus, when I say Exodus, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Exit. Exit? Okay, what else? Red Sea. Red Sea. What else? Tabernacle. Tabernacle. Okay, good. What else? Picture. 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 Okay, good, good. What else? <laughs> I know we have more thoughts about the book of Exodus than those four things. What else, huh? Pharaoh. Pharaoh, okay. Passover, yes. How, how, many, how many students in the room, how many students in the room have read the entire book of Exodus? Just raise your hand. Okay. We got a few. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you are inspired to actually read that thing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, believe it or not, the prince of Egypt will not give you a scriptural representation <laughs> of, what, of what the Bible actually says. There's actually, you know, I, you know not that I've uh, exhausted them all, but I, I would just venture to say there's not a Hollywood movie out there that accur accurately portrays the book of Exodus. No. So it's good to open that thing up and read it. Yeah. Hopefully you're inspired. Yeah. So um, when we come to tonight, when we come to tonight, oftentimes we think when we think of Exodus, Exit, Moses, Pharaoh, plagues, Red Sea, all these kind of things, we're actually coming tonight, we're coming to something very deep and profound. Something you might not consider would be so crucial. But actually, there's nothing more crucial in the entire book wow. of Exodus than what we're going to talk about tonight. There's nothing more crucial. If you get one thing from the book of Exodus, if you get tonight, you get probably the most crucial thing in the entire book. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. But it may not mean so much to you if you don't know the story, if you don't know the story, the background of what's transpiring here in Exodus 16, it may not be so profound to you. So we need the story. That's why with Roman numeral one, we're coming to the story. But let's all read the title together. Ready? Go. Man.
Okay, so what's happening here in the book of Exodus? Just picture with me. You're among the children of Israel, and all you've known is slavery your entire existence. For the past four centuries, your people have lived in Egypt. You hear stories that at one time you guys were highly honored. You hear stories that um, one of you was kind of like basically Pharaoh, Pharaoh's right-hand man ruling on Pharaoh's behalf. You hear stories about it. But basically all you and your extended family and as many generations as are alive, all you've ever known is slavery. That's all you've ever known. Actually, you're treated about on the level of an animal, even though you're a human being. This is all you've ever known until Moses comes back. Moses, he's kind of a celebrity among your people. He was actually raised in, he was actually raised as royalty in Pharaoh's house, trained in all the wisdom and knowledge of Egypt. But he'd been gone for about four decades. He'd been gone. For the past four decades, you know what he's been? He's been a shepherd. He's been a nothing, just like the rest of us. Well, at one point, he was real high up there. But you know what? He got humbled. And he became just like the rest of us. He's been a nothing for the past four decades. And he's come back and he's told us something very interesting. The God of our ancestors appeared to him. The God of our ancestors appeared to him. I don't even know who his name is. Maybe I heard about him. I don't know. The God of our ancestors visited him and told him that he would deliver us from Pharaoh, from the tyranny of Pharaoh, and from the entire country of Egypt. We would be freed and that we would become a nation set apart completely unto him and we would become kings and priests of God. And you know what? We'd have our own land. We wouldn't belong to anybody but God himself. How about that? Kind of hard to believe, right? If all you've known is slavery for the past 400 years, kind of hard to believe. But over, the, over one year's time, you've literally watched this invisible God who has no idol, who has no temple. You don't even know what his name is necessarily until Moses communicates it to you. You kind of heard about him somewhere back there in the family. You've watched this invisible God bring the entire nation of Egypt to its knees. You've watched the most powerful nation on earth be brought to its knees by an invisible God whom no one even knows that says he's the God of your ancestors. You've watched lice come. You've watched the, the river Nile turn into blood, flies, locusts. You've literally watched it rain fire and ice from the sky. And in one night... Jehovah did something that no army of men could ever do. He slaughtered every firstborn of the entire nation in one night. Wow. And in one night, two million of you and your best friends walked out of the land of Egypt. Not only did you walk out, 
but actually your masters were begging you to leave. And as you left, they were giving you gifts. Here, take this gold. Here, take this jewelry. Here, take this money. Take what I have. Take, please, take it and go. You're free. Please leave. Go. What a difference a year makes. What a difference a year makes. Isn't that incredible? Brothers and sisters, I want you to realize, and I hope it resides in you for the rest of your life, that one year with the Lord, there's no telling how much difference it can make. One year with God. So now you're, you're out. You're in the wilderness. Pharaoh made one last attempt. And you know what? His armies got buried in the Red Sea. God literally made, uh, defied the laws of gravity, made water stand up on itself. No big deal. Divided the Red Sea. And two million people walked through there. And the armies that were attacking you got buried. Now you're in the wilderness, positionally and wholly separated unto God. Pharaoh ain't coming after you no more. But there's a problem. You know what it is? You're hungry. You're going to need something to eat. You're hungry. Don't you think it'd be, I mean, kind of like, yeah, there's two million of us here. We're out here in the wilderness. Uh, we're probably going to need something to eat. Okay. Now, that brings us up to Exodus 16. And let's read the verses here. Let's have brothers, we'll have brothers and sisters alternating. Brothers, you start on four, and let's read it. Exodus 16, ready, go. Then Jehovah said to Moses, I will now bring bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my law. Okay, so you know what happens when people get hungry? They start murmuring. Whenever we get hungry, we get a little bit frazzled, a little bit upset. You get hangry. That means you're angry because you got hungry. If this has never happened to you, it happens to me all the time. My wife has learned to keep me nice and fed because, you know, I'll be getting hangry. Um... People start murmuring, and that's what's happening here. There's two million people. Oh, man, what did God do? What, uh, Moses, what's up here, man? I wish we could have died back there. I wish I could have been by the flesh pots back in Egypt, man. I, ate all, I had all-you-can-eat buffet all the time. Now I'm out here in this wilderness. I ain't got anything to eat. A little hangry. And so what God does, God comes in and he says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. It's going to rain. God's going to make it rain. He's <laughs> going to make it rain, heavenly bread, day by day, morning by morning. And what the children of Israel had to do is they had to just go out and pick it up. You just go out and pick it up. Does it get much easier? Talk about delivery service. 
That's like next day delivery. <laughs> right outside your tent. Yes. Every day. And you know what? You know what's interesting? You know, whenever they whenever it actually happened, they went outside there and they said, man, what what is it? What is that? That's what manna means. What is it? You know what manna is? Manna is a mystery. You got to imagine there's all kind of protein in that thing. You know what I mean? If the children of Israel are eating it for 40 years, that's got to be some pretty nutritious stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. It's, it's small. It's small. It's round. It's fine. It comes with the dew every day. It's, it's, it's out there every day. I just open my tent and it's out there, except for one day a week. The day before, I go and get double the amount. That way I got enough to eat on the Sabbath. And it comes every day. And you know, it's solid, it's small, and it's round, and it's fine, but at the same time, it's solid, and I can beat it. I can make it all different kind of ways. And you know what? It's really sweet. It tastes like honey. And it's going to feed our entire nation for 40 years. What is that? What is it? Very mysterious. Very mysterious. Okay. That God can miraculously make heavenly what is it bread rain from the sky. That's awesome, right? Very cool. Very cool. That's kind of on the surface here. Uh, that in itself is awesome. Okay, but that's not, that's not like in everything in and of itself. You know what I mean? Actually, what we're going to be talking about here is miles deeper. Exodus 16 is miles deep. First, you got to get God made it rain heavenly bread from the sky. Awesome. But number two, it's much more significant than merely that. Much more significant. So now that we've got the story, we need the interpretation. The best way to interpret the Bible, brothers and sisters, is with the Bible. Best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible. Oftentimes, if you're reading something, not sure what it means, oftentimes another verse will explain that. Best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible. That's what we're going to do right now. Roman numeral 2. Let's read it all together. Ready, go. And then let's read, uh, let's, let's just ask the Apostle Paul, hey Paul, you got any insight on like what's going on here in Exodus 16? Whatever you got, man, just give it to us. He says, okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Let's all read it together. Ready, go. Okay, these things, if you got a pen, circle that. These things, say that. These things. These things. What these things are is everything that happened in Exodus. What Paul is talking about and expounding here in 1 Corinthians 10 in these verses is what transpired to the children of Israel in Exodus. So what Paul is, these things, what he's talking about, is what we're reading in the book of Exodus. Okay, and what does he have to say about it? They were written for our admonition. Say that. They were written for our admonition. Okay, Exodus is, a, it is history. It actually happened. But it is not only a historical record. You know what it is? It's a spiritual admonition. 
And what Paul is saying here is that actually the reason it was recorded was for your spiritual admonition. All that transpired to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus is not merely cool, fascinating history. Actually, it happened as an example for your admonition. What a book! Okay, so there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. Paul sees that um, this is not just a historical record. There's something very deep and profound here. I wonder if only we could get God incarnate himself to say something about it. Maybe we could, you know, kind of get clear on it, you know? If only God would, like, come in the flesh and then, like, literally speak words about Exodus 16. If he would do that, then we could probably understand what it's about, right? Good thing Jesus did that. Good thing Jesus did that. Okay, so let's read these verses in John chapter 6. There's a few of them here. Uh, why don't we alternate? Sisters, go first on verse 32. Ready, go. Okay, what's going on here is that Jesus has just taken like five loaves and two fish and he's fed uh, at least 5,000 men, not including women and children. So he took basically what you would take for your sack lunch for maybe a couple of you, two or three of you, and then he made it feed uh, at least 5,000 people. Pretty cool, right? That's the guy you would want reigning as your president. He would make sure everybody's fed all the time. He who feeds leads. That's true. Okay, that's, that's who you want as your king. Jesus knew that they were going to try to make him king, so he escaped. And you know what? They tracked him down. And they found him the next day and they said, Hey, uh, Lord, remember how like Moses made it rain bread out of heaven? You remember that? Hey, uh, why don't you do like a sign and we'll believe in you. Maybe... Make it rain bread from heaven again, you know? That'd be pretty cool. Why don't you give us lunch today? <laughs> and what Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread out of heaven. You know that like manna that fell for 40 years? That wasn't the real bread out of heaven. Okay, well, give us a little more. My Father gives you the true bread out of heaven. Okay, Jesus, I want the true bread. Give me that true bread out of heaven. I like that. For the bread of God is He. The bread of God is He. The bread of the true bread of God that comes down out of heaven is a person. The bread of God is He who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Amen. Let me say it to you more explicitly. I am the bread of life. Amen. I am. Jesus is sitting there saying, the stuff that our ancestors ate, that wasn't the real bread. I am the real bread. Amen. 
Here I am. I am the real bread. And you know what? If you eat me, you'll live because of me. You know, in English, what we do to emphasize something is we make everything all caps. If you're emphasizing something in a text message, probably make it all caps, maybe add an emoji or two in there. The person who's receiving your message, they get the point. You're really emphasizing something. What they did in ancient Hebraic literature is they repeated things. They say, they say the same thing again in a different way. Jesus three times in John chapter 6 explicitly states, I am the bread of life. I am the true bread out of heaven. He says it, uh, he gives kind of some innuendo in a lot of other different ways. You think Jesus had a point? Sure. Think he's trying to communicate something here? Think he's trying to uh, bring something profound in the heart and mind of God to the people of God? Jesus is saying, I am manna. I am manna. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is what is it? What, what, is, what is he? What is he? I can't figure this guy out. He, is he God or is he man? What is he? He's unlike anyone I've ever been around. What is he? He's a mystery. You know what else he is? He's small and fine. You know what? If I were God, if it were me, I would have been born probably in, I don't know, I would have been born uh, a Hebrew child of the Caesar of Rome. I mean, I, I mean, can you get any tops of the tops? And then and probably when I was eight years old, I would have unrolled my scepter and declared who I am. You know what I mean? Jesus chose to be from a despised region. He chose to be born in the Poe house. Poe. He was Poe. He was poor. He was a carpenter's son. He's a carpenter's son. That's blue collar, baby. That's out working with your hands day in, day out. He wasn't the magistrate's son. He's a carpenter's son. Small, yet very fine. There was no guile ever found in his mouth. That means there was nothing that ever came out of his mouth that you could say, oh, gotcha. You shouldn't have said that. I heard that one. I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> I found it. You messed up at least once. I heard it. His, brother, his brothers and sisters could never say that. There was that one time Jesus acted up. They could never say that. He was a poor kid with fine humanity. Fine humanity. You know what else he was? Solid, concrete, reliable strong. This is manna. You know what else he was? Sweeter than honey to our mouth. How sweet are thy words to my taste? Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jesus is manna. Okay. Now it's one thing. It's good to know the story. It's better to know the significance and it's best for it to be real to us, for us to experience it, for it to be applied to our daily life. It's good to know the story, better to know the significance, but it's best if the rubber meets the road and it becomes real to us. And here is where it becomes real to us. Okay, let's read Roman numeral number three. And then let's read the quote. Ready, go. Yeah. Yeah.
Okay, the deep truth. Yeah. Say that, deep truth. Deep. The deep truth of Exodus 16 is what? What's the deep truth of Exodus 16? God wants to change our diet. God wants to change what we eat day in and day out to Christ as the real manna sent by God. This is the deep truth. God is interested in changing what you eat day by day. Now, this put on your spiritual lenses here. I'm not talking physical anymore. Put on your spiritual lenses. God wants to change what we eat day in and day out. Why do you want to do that, God? Because we need to be reconstituted. You know, when I say constitution, I don't mean like uh, what the founding fathers wrote. I don't mean that. I don't mean like uh, principles by which our uh, country is governed. I, I mean the fibers of your being, our constitution, what we're made up of. We literally are what we eat. You know, in a real sense, this, the pizzas and burritos that we eat here on Thursday nights, they haven't left us. They're still here. They became the fibers of Jimmy's being. Did you know that, Jimmy? It's called metabolism. We, we are what we eat. It becomes the, the very fibers of our being. So we have to be reconstituted with Christ and be, so that we can become God's dwelling place on the earth. God is interested in having a dwelling place, a building, a place in which he rests, and a place in which he is glorified amidst a universe in chaotic rebellion against him. God is interested in having a dwelling place. The book of Exodus does not stop with the Passover lamb. The book of Exodus does not stop at Mount Sinai. It stops with the tabernacle of God being built and there being so much glory that no one can even enter it. It being impossible to even enter it because there's, there's so much Shekinah glory of God emanating from it. God is interested in having a dwelling place. And brothers and sisters, that dwelling place we are. Amen. He's interested in making us a part of that dwelling place. There is no truth. There is nothing more crucial in the book of Exodus than this. There's nothing more crucial. If you get something, I hope you get this. You know... Jesus, as manna coming down, you know what he's not saying? He's not saying, um, you really need to get your life straight. You really need to get your life straight and um, get right with God. You know what? The problem with you, uh, you just don't have enough faith, really. You have more faith. If you just put more trust in God, everything will be all right. Here I am. I'm manna. That's not what he's saying. Those things we're used to hearing 
And that's not the message that Jesus is communicating. What he's communicating is, I'm manna, eat me. How about that? That one's kind of hard to swallow, right? Eat me. If you don't eat me, this is literally what he said, if you don't eat me, you have no life in and of yourself. You have to eat me if you want life. If you want to chase away a few thousand followers, that's a good way to do it. Just tell them to eat your flesh and drink your blood. (laughs) And that's what happened. Jesus isn't interested in uh, the crowds, the myriads. What he's interested in is his people eating him. Because it's by eating him, they'll become reconstituted with him. And they'll be ready for his dwelling place. What Jesus says here in John chapter 6, at the end here he says, uh, As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he shall live because of me. Because of me. He doesn't say he shall live by me. Subtle difference. I'll give you an example. I walk by these shoes. I walk by using these shoes. These shoes that I have on right here. My sweet wife bought them for me. I walk on campus by using them. I don't walk because of these shoes. I have the ability in and of myself to walk without them. But I can walk by them. I don't walk because of them. I walk because of the metabolized energy I have within me. I walk because I ate a hearty breakfast this morning. It ain't rocket science. I had a good breakfast. I got energy to walk on campus. I walk because of the energy I have within. What Jesus is saying is, if you'll eat me, you'll live because of me. I want to be the energizing factor by which you exist. I don't want want to be your instrument. I'm not interested in being a cool facet of your life. I'm not interested in being one part of your social media profile. I'm interested in being the very supplying factor by which you live. Eat me. Live because of me. This is the message that Jesus is communicating. The problem here is that God's people, Jimmy, God's people have been living in Egypt for 400 years, man. 400 years. You know what they're constituted with? Egypt. You think if you live somewhere for 400 years, your family bound to be something like that country? Yeah. I asked my grandmother one time, I was trying to trace my uh, family lineage, I said, Mammy, how, I mean, where, where's, our, uh, where's our lineage from? You know, like where'd we come from? She said, well, as far as I know back, Chris, we're from East Texas. <laughs> if you, if you want to see Texas culture lived out, just come hang out with my family on the holidays. We don't have to try. We just are what we are. We're deep East Texas, constituted into the fibers of our being. Our thought, culture, philosophy, it's, it's Texas through and through. Hopefully God's mingled himself in there a little bit. But it's Texas, okay? Okay, 
Now, God's people were out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in God's people. To, to, to extricate his people from Egypt, simple for God. He took up to it. He took a year's time in order to bring glory to himself. So that Pharaoh and all of Egypt, he said, I will remove you with a mighty hand so that everyone will know he will be glorified. He could have done it in a day. He could have done it. I mean, he spoke it out of Egypt. And they're out of Egypt. I mean, he could have spoke it into being. Okay. Our salvation, God removing us from Egypt, so simple. So simple. Done. To get Egypt out of God's people, that's another thing. That takes a long time. It takes a long time. In culture, in philosophy, in religion, in thought, they were Egypt. They were Egyptian. They were removed, experienced the Passover lamb, baptism, awesome, praise God. All my enemies are under the sea, let's go. But on the inside, I'm still just like them. I ain't no different. God's people were out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in God's people. And so, they needed to be reconstituted. Needed to be reconstituted. And God's so wise way, he decided to do this, all wise, all knowing God, he decided to do it by manna. Incredible. I don't know how I would have done it, but God knows best for sure. He decided to do it by manna. A little bit, day by day, day by day, day by day. Okay, but there's a problem. You know what the problem is? Hey, no problem. We'll just be out here reconstituted. We'll just eat, we'll just eat manna. Everything be good. We'll be God's dwelling place. Problem. You know, you know what the problem is? Appetite. Problem is appetite. The problem is appetite. Let's read these verses from Numbers 11. Read them all together. Ready, go. was a little more like this. Oh, we remember. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the fish. Do you remember the fish? I ate all I wanted. I was sitting there by the flesh pots. I ate all the fish. Oh, my goodness. The garlic. Huh? Oh, how about oh, the leeks and the onions? Oh. Ah. If only I had died in Egypt. Now all they're out is, there's all this it's all this manna to look at. What an insult, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean square they squared God. That's anyway. You probably don't know what squared means. They dissed him. They, they, I mean, you know, here's God. He separated his people. He's miraculously raining bread, bread from the sky every day. Oh, if only we were back in Egypt. Oh, that fish was incredible. 
the garlics, man. Do you remember the garlics? You know what they probably had? They probably had some small group time. They just get together and, you guys remember the leaks? You guys remember that? So awesome, right? How about the onions, huh? Huh? Onions, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, probably, uh, am I right? <laughs> probably had some small group time just, oh. Scripture says, lusted exceedingly and wept over. <laughs> lusted exceedingly and wept over. Okay, I'm going to give you a definition of the Egyptian diet. The Egyptian diet, write this down if you have a pen. If you don't, remember it. Anything we take into us for our satisfaction, whatever we take in for satisfaction, for strength, and to sustain us. The Egyptian diet, whatever, whatever we take in to us for satisfaction, whatever we look to for satisfaction, to strengthen us, to sustain us, what feeds you? What feeds you? What, what do you turn to? Hey, oh, man, hard week. Can't wait to fill in the blank. What do you look to for satisfaction? To strengthen you, to sustain you. Man, if I can just get to Saturday night, and fill in the blank. Oof, I'll be strengthened from this hard week. It was a tough week. What do you, um, it's meeting time, time for the Bible study, time for have that appointment with so-and-so, and you're doing something, you're like, ah, oh, man, I gotta go to that meeting, man. I just wanna keep doing this. This is awesome. Oh, I gotta go to that meeting. What do you do that strengthens you, sustains you, and satisfies you to the extent it's like, oh, man, i got to go eat manna again. Ugh. I, why, why do they have so many meetings, man? What I'm doing right now is awesome. I don't want to stop and go do that. What, what feeds you? What feeds you? What strengthens you? What supplies you? You know, uh, for some of us, I mean, it could be any number of things. For some, for some of us, it could be education. You notice I didn't start out with anything sinful. Education's very good. Don't we all need to be educated? Yes. Yeah. Praise God you got into UT. You have an awesome opportunity to be educated. And you should. Get as educated as you can be. But does education feed you? There are some of us, we would like nothing better than to hole up and study and read everything our professors have been talking about. Believe it or not. There are some of us that are like that. And they want to achieve, they want to hide, they want to impress their professor, they want to ace that test, they want to bring home that grade and see the giant smile on their parents' face. It's 
fell for the smile. <laughs> Mom and dad are happy. I finally pleased them. Finally. I finally pleased them. I'm king of the castle. Yes. Mission accomplished. Does education feed you? Does it sustain you? Does it strengthen you? Do we need education? Sure, of course. But is it your food? For some of us, it's sports. Don't let your jaw drop to the floor. No big surprise, right? For some of us, it's sports. Are sports a good thing? I think so. I sure did play it a long time. You know, I mean, you know, I think it can help young men in so many kind of ways. But sports can also be something you feed and crave and desire and strengthen yourself with. If I can just make it to Saturday, I can watch umpteen hours of college football. Yes, I made it. I made it. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I shut off the phone. <laughs> what feeds us? What strengthens us? What sustains us? What sustains us? You know, for some of us, um, for some of us, it's reading. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'd be honest with you. I got convicted about, I, <laughs> I would have never thought I got convicted about reading a book just because I didn't grow up reading books. I grew up watching television and playing sports. But I was, I was reading a book this spring break. I was reading a book and I was reading that thing. I mean, shoo, 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 shoo. And you know what I felt the Lord say? That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. How about having some Jesus time? How about coming to me? How about uh, opening up the Word? How about, uh, how, about, how about reading a different book? How about separating some time here? Brothers and sisters, I had to shut that thing. I shut it. You know, I mean, uh, what feeds us? God's interested in changing our diet to Christ as the real manna sent by God to reconstitute us. You know, for some of us, for some of us, I have to confess, for some of us, it's TV. Or it's, I mean, in today's, uh, in 2015, it's Netflix. You know, I, I, I joke with this. I used to meet with this brother, and, uh, man, we'd be fellowshipping, and, we, you know, he'd be telling me about, you know, I'm like, man, how you studies? Well, man, I, know I had that big test today, but, ah, I just didn't study. I said, man, what happened? You, watch, you know, I'm just throwing out a joke, you know. Bro, you, you watched, like, two seasons on Netflix last night, didn't you? He's like, man, it's more like three, really. <laughs> I was just throwing out a joke, you know? I was just throwing out a, you know, I was like, oh, okay, yes, you know? You know, some, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it'll like bring up a little pop-up box. Are you sure you want to like keep continuing to watch this? Maybe that's somewhere in the programming. That may be the Holy Spirit. I don't know. It may be the Holy Spirit. Are you sure you want to keep watching this? 
I have to, I have to confess. That's, that's how I was, that's, I, that's what I did as a kid. I just, man, when I, when I was a freshman in college, I couldn't wait to just run home and just zombie mode in front of that TV, just. <laughs> I, I couldn't wait. You know, and, and the, the sad thing was, you know what, brothers and sisters, I didn't get strengthened. I didn't get sustained. I didn't get satisfied. I was trying. Man, I just can't wait to go home, get to my room, and it, it didn't strengthen me. It didn't sat, I was going to it. I was going to it. But it didn't satisfy me. What God is interested in is changing our diet to Christ as the real manna sent by God to reconstitute us. To make us different. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to preach the good news to you. God can change you. With, With manna every day, God can change you from the core of your being to the outside. He'll make you different. You know, brothers and sisters, in some ways... In some ways, I, uh, in some ways, I'm still the same old Chris. I got saved in 2005. We're coming up on 10 years. In some ways, I'm still the same. But I would be lying. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't different. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't different. Brothers and sisters, God can change you from the inside out. And the way that he's determined to do it is by manna. Don't wait for some miracle one day that's going to make you completely different. God has determined to do it little by little, day by day, through manna. We'll be reconstituted and made uh, the building of God. Okay, so I just want to give you a few ways to do that, and then we'll go to our small group time. Three ways. You ready for this? Write this down. Number one. Open a Bible, period. Open a Bible, period. Brothers and sisters, there is a good chance you will find manna if you open your Bible. There's a good chance. I'm not not saying 100% of the time you just open that thing and you're just going to have a scrumptious huge feast, but there's a much better chance if you actually open it, that you'll find manna. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, if, uh, if the Bible reading schedule is too much for you, you just can't do it, can't hang with it, um, maybe try doing just one chapter a day. Most of the time it's just one chapter a day. But you know, if you read for like five minutes every day, you read the entire New Testament in nine months. You think you'd be different after that? Probably a good chance. You might say, oh, man, that thing's boring. I don't like, I don't like reading it. I, don't, I mean, I just, I don't like it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. Let me, show, let me tell you the way God operates. The way your appetite is changed is by changing your diet. When you change your diet, your appetite follows. If you want to start eating healthy, you ain't going to like it, but you've got to start eating healthy. And then you know what happens after that? Your appetite follows. You start craving healthy stuff. I didn't like it for a while, but now I kind of like it. You know, I feel better. It's just very simple. 
We don't like manna. Sometimes we don't like it. That's okay. Keep eating manna. Yeah. Literally. If you open your Bible during the day, you got a good shot of that happening. Number two, be gathered. Be gathered. Number two, be gathered. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and they became to me the gladness and joy of my heart. If you want gladness and joy, read the Word. That's number one. Open your Bible. Number two, where two or three are gathered together into my name, there am I in their midst. Whenever two or three are gathered together, Jesus says, I'm there. If you want manna, if you want the presence of God, whenever the brothers and sisters get together, just go. Just go. You've got a much higher uh, percentage, percentage of eating manna if you just go. Wherever the brothers and sisters are, just go. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. Yeah, just go. You have a good shot of eating manna and getting reconstituted and becoming the dwelling place of God. Amen. <laughs> you got a good shot. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. Who in here likes joy? I do. We better open, our, open the Bible and get together, be gathered with the brothers and sisters. Number three, companions. Say that. Companions. You know what companions means? With bread. Com pan. With bread. Panaderia. Com pan. With bread. Okay, so you know who your companions are? Those whom you can enjoy manna with. That's who your companions are. Notice I didn't say friends. Everybody needs friends, but even more than friends, you need a companion. Sure. You need somebody you can eat bread with. Yeah. Let me give you a good way you can uh, determine whether your friends are companions. Can you, at the drop of a hat, pray together and it not be uber awkward? <laughs> Hey, can we pray together? Oh, man, this is so awkward. <laughs> or, hey, how about we read the Bible? Why would we do that? Probably not a companion. Companions are those we eat bread with. And you know what? If you ain't feeling like eating bread, probably your companion is. That's going to be a help to you. Yeah. That's going to be a help to you. Yeah. Okay. So what we'll do now is uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into our small groups, and uh, we'll read what's on the back. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Lord, we love you. Thank you for uh, bringing us together tonight. Lord, make us manna eaters. Reconstitute us and make us the building of God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen.